This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. To left center, deep, gone, Brewers lead it. And a swing and a miss, he struck him out. Down the line, and that's the ball game. Hey, Brewers fans, it is a postseason edition of Brewers Unfiltered. We are through the regular season, 162 games in the books. It's Adam McAlvey, Tim Dillard, Sophia Minert joining you as we get ready for the wild card series, which, guys, we know now it'll be the Arizona Diamondbacks coming here to Milwaukee. We have game times. It'll be 6.08 p.m. for both game one and game two, game three, to be announced if necessary. So we've got some pretty critical information here and uh, just, you know, to kind of just put a bow on, on the regular season. First of all, the, the Brewers were able to clinch um, on Tuesday night, despite a loss. And then it was actually a, a pretty entertaining week, but I think it went about as well as Craig council was hoping for of lining up your pitching They shut down Brandon Woodruff and Freddie Peralta to give them some additional rest to get them ready here for the wildcard series. He was able to script out his reliever usage as he wanted. And the Brewers were able to win some games in some pretty entertaining fashion as well against both the Cardinals and the Cubs. I thought it was really interesting how the the pitching, it was all about rest. The hitters, it was not. And it made me remember 2021 where they – also put themselves in a fantastic position, uh, had essentially the division wrapped up early, and then went into a mode where they really rested a lot of guys, scripted out uh, some pitching appearances, scripted out uh, innings and games for the position players. This time, the position players played it out. Um, and, you know, we asked Christian Yelch about that yesterday, and he basically said, you know, different team, different circumstances. But he did say that it's something that the hitters and Craig Council talked about. And something they decided they wanted to do. So I just have a hard time believing that the 2021 experience didn't play a little bit into that because they really, you know, they got cold. They went cold. And they faced a great Braves pitching staff too. So like, let's not discount that. But I I just found that to be one little interesting thing. I love this time of year because we get to dissect all those little things. Like I might be thinking way too much into that and I am way off base and 2021 had absolutely nothing to do with how much the hitters played in the final five days. But I do just like the time of year where you can like think about it and, and try to think along with them as they make decisions about the roster and how to navigate these games when the calculus between thinking about tomorrow and thinking about today has slightly changed, but it's still a calculus. There still is some thinking about tomorrow, and I do enjoy that part of it as well. Sound like you're singing a song. Don't stop thinking about tomorrow. Now, no, don't I, get into the copyright <laughs> problems here. Don't, don't, oh, yeah, sorry. Don't sing too that's, well. That's on me. I thought you were doing that. Um, 
Yeah, I think you, you go in with the best plan you can. And I don't think they had a good plan in 2021, honestly. I think you could see it. I think people were scared of that. I think that was what a lot of the media and the radio was talking about. Of like, man, these guys are just kind of kind of podunking along. So clinching early enough, getting guys uh, that you know maybe haven't been playing a ton and bringing them to the forefront a little bit, but then guys also getting their at-bats in. Listen, Carlos Santana didn't want to play. He didn't have to play, but he was in there for like almost every game since they clenched. Uh, Mark Canna, if he needed a break. I mean, these guys wanted to bat, and it starts with a conversation. Hey, what do you want? It's like, dude, we have to play. And you start looking about the way they lined up. I thought it was perfect. I thought he lined up everybody with the information they had, when they clenched, when they were going to play, didn't matter who. Uh, I think Craig Council did it perfectly. And then you look on the flip side of that, the Dodgers, they have to sit around and wait for seven full days. Like, that's absurd, honestly. I mean, maybe that's an advantage, but um, I wouldn't want my team, I wouldn't want to be as a pitcher sitting around for seven days, not doing anything, waiting on a team. Well, William Contreras was also one of those players that Craig Council said he's almost just as adamant as Willie Adamas about being in the lineup every day. Um, he wanted to keep hitting, which which I would too if I was riding an 18-game hitting streak going into yeah. the postseason. <laughs> I'd, I'd want to stay in there as well. But guys... Um, you know, so we're we're recording this Monday morning. Regular season is in the books. The the Brewers finish with a, a remarkable 92 win season. They end up winning the Central by nine games over the Cubs, um, just as we all expected, right? To have that, yeah, exactly. that sizable <laughs> of a division lead here at the end, when for so long we were looking at that final homestand with Cardinals and Cubs on the calendar, and you're wondering what will the division landscape look like at that point, but. Because of that big lead, they were able to get the rest, and now, now it begins, right? So, so Monday, as we're recording this, the team is going to have a workout. We'll have media availability with Craig Council, Corbin Burns, some of the position players. Um, but things do get a little different now. The, for what we know with the wild card series, they will play straight up a three-game series, all games here in Milwaukee. Um Presumably, it'll be a combination of Corbin Burns, Brandon Woodruff, and Freddie Peralta lined up for that. And this is where I think when you're looking at the matchup with the Diamondbacks, who had to fight tooth and nail to clinch their postseason spot, their first since 2017, um, this is where I think you can give the advantage to the Brewers, that they've got their aces lined up, rested, their bullpen is rested, um, with the Diamondbacks in game one, we they're going to see a rookie. The Brewers have not faced him yet. His name is Brandon Fatt. He's 24 years old, a 3-9 and nine record, an earn run average for him of 572. And then you'll get to see the more familiar faces of, of Zach Gallen and Merrill Kelly, who have both had fabulous seasons. Um, so just kind of when you're looking at this matchup, what do you, what do you think of, of what the Diamondbacks present to the Brewers? Well, number one, I mean, I, I, I can't believe the Diamondbacks aren't pushing a little bit. I mean, I know that Gallon's only had three full days off before he would potentially pitch a night game. But, I, I mean, you're, you, you're no guarantee a game three. And you're running a guy out there that's not one of your top two horses. Um, you're just kind of holding your breath. And hold your breath baseball just doesn't work most of the time. I'm not saying he won't go out there and deal uh, but at the same time, if I'm if I'm Zach Gallon, I'm like, give me the baseball. Just give me the baseball. You're going to have time to rest afterwards. I think uh, if it take if it goes three days, you got two full days off before you face the Dodgers. Uh, if you win it in two games, you got three full days off. So I think it all comes down to 
you know, put your best guys out there, the guys that have earned it. And I, I mean, I'm surprised. I'm surprised they're doing this. And who knows? Maybe they'll maybe they'll throw a curveball here uh, before game time. But I don't know. I know the I know the three day rest thing's not a big deal, Adam. I know you want to address that. But uh, as a player, I'm like, give me the baseball. Yeah, my thoughts about this because I think this discussion happens in every postseason city every year. Um, because I think we have memories, especially here in Milwaukee, we have the CC Sabathia memory, um, where he was really effective on three days rest until he wasn't, he wasn't in the postseason start, but he was in those regular season starts. The reason teams don't do it is that this is now a numbers business. This is not a gut business of baseball anymore. And I think the gut for years and years Tells you exactly what you're saying, Tim. And there are there are pitchers in the history of the sport who would rather die than not be out there on the mound on three days rest for game one. And they would literally, not just like figuratively fight, they would like literally throw down if if somebody tried to tell them that you're not going to pitch that game. Now this this is a data-driven business. And the data says that it is not a good move. It does not put you in the best position to win the game, to have your best player on the mound, which sounds totally counterintuitive, but there's just the experience of this happening for other players to tell you that that's the case. So that's why teams don't do it as much. And I I just said this, Tim, we were talking before we started recording, the Corbin Burns example in 2021 is, is an interesting one where the Brewers faced elimination in Atlanta. Um, Corbin Burns had one uh, game one against the Braves and of the NLDS in 2021 pitched great. And, um, I don't think he had an absurd pitch count. I think he pitched six innings. Um, and you know, could he have pitched game four in elimination game? He could have, but they made the call that in that case, you need to win two games, not just one. And they made the decision that it was best to fully recover and go out there, you know, as Corbin Burns, um, so it's just, a, it's just the decision that, that teams need to make. And I do think more and more you see teams opt against the short rest because, because it just has simply hasn't worked. Well, I think too, as a player, there's almost more pressure if you wait the extra day. It's like, oh no, we're going to give you an extra day. We're going to kind of sacrifice this game because we want you a little bit better tomorrow. That puts pressure on what I think would be Zach Gallon more, uh, than, then if he was like, you know what, give me the ball in three days rest, and then to kind of ride that high. That's just me, though. I mean, I I, I get it. I know all the data. I, you know, I, mean, I don't know the data, but um, I get it. They're playing the long-term thing, but um, I don't know. I think I'd like to see it. I think, it'd be, I think it would be in the Diamondbacks' interest to do that. Well, it, it also just, you know, it's good to have three, three guys, which the Brewers have, yeah, exactly. which is why I think to a lot of other teams, they're a scary team. Um, they have three elite starting pitchers. And and by the way, Wade Miley is a guy, you know, yeah, right? twice through the order probably in the postseason. Maybe, maybe more. I shouldn't short him. He's been great. Um, Adrian Hauser? Yeah. Colin I mean, Ray? They, <laughs> Everyone's had, been dealing. They've had guys who've really, you know, they have good depth. And I think the depth of their pitching is what gives them really a lot of optimism about being set up perhaps better than any of the recent teams to like really go deep. But I'll tell you this three game series, like maybe I'm just talking for me. That would spook me a lot because as you know, Tim's saying the diamondbacks have two really good starters. Game one is enormous for both teams. 
Um, it, you know, the Brewers get game one. Okay, you're in, you're in really good shape. The D-backs somehow steal game one. That's really a, a difficult position uh, for the Brewers to find themselves in. And the other thing about the D-backs that's dangerous is they have the best player in this series in Corbin Carroll. I don't, maybe you disagree. Maybe William Contreras is, but I mean, Corbin Carroll is probably the most, you know, electric player in, in this series. So they have two stud pitchers and a really good player um, in Carroll. No, I, I agree with you. I mean, like Corbin Carroll, I, I think what, I think another thing that the Diamondbacks present is just, this is where their pitching and their defense is going to be tested because they are second in the national league in stolen bases and Corbin Carroll is a huge part of that. Um, you know, as an offense, it was a 250 average for them, 730 OPS. They had similar home run numbers as the Brewers. I think they were pretty much identical. Um, so not a home run reliant offense, but their ability to put pressure on your pitching and your defense with their running game, I think is is also a really interesting factor. 100%. I mean, you start looking down the line of what they've been doing all season long. They've been playing this kind of baseball, just scrape runs across uh, all season long. They lead the MLB in triples. They lead the MLB in sack bunts. They're fourth in sacrifice flies. Uh, and they're second in stolen bases. And they don't strike out that much. So they're going to be putting pressure at every single corner on everybody they can. We saw the Brewers do it yesterday against the Cubs. You know, Christian Yelich just feeling good, decides, hey, I'm going to steal third standing up against Drew Smiley. So... I, I mean, I think both teams like to run, but I think when it comes to like the small ball type stuff, I know the Brewers have been doing it lately, but uh, the Diamondbacks have been doing it all year long. And it's for whatever reason, they they seem comfortable in bunting situations. They seem comfortable in getting the guy in from third base. Um, and when you're hitting triples, it just means more than likely you're hitting the ball on the ground a lot, which this team tends to do. You're a the MLB guy, Tim. I don't know if I knew that. I We've learned something. The MLB, I don't know. I don't know how to say it. No, it's I'm good. Not good at it, my job. It's a no. It's a. Tro- it's fine. I. It's just. It's. It's just one of those things. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't realize it. I like it. Well, I was reading my handwriting, and I think I put the in there. Let me check. No, there's no the. It's just MLB. One. Uh, one spot where the there is separate because I think you're right. Like Christian Yelich said this yesterday. How the te- these teams are a little bit similar, um, which kind of makes it a cool matchup. One area where the Brewers have an edge is is the bullpen, and I think. This is a, a also an area where because they were able to lock things down with five games to go and then script out those final five games and get really cool help from some guys that weren't a part of this for a lot of the year who come in and eat those innings, it's like another yet another example of the connectedness of the whole roster where you know Eric Lauer comes up and, and didn't pitch great but but gave innings that somebody else would have had to pitch and you know Caleb Bosley a great moment and um you know Colin Ray back and forth over the final couple of weeks and Jansen Junk Jansen Junk exactly coming up and throwing 96 and like maybe like making a little you know mark on someone's card for going into next season as they make pitching decisions so all of those those innings that some of those guys um, delivered for the Brewers late in the year are really huge because the Brewers go in as a bullpen in an extremely good place. And, you know, we know Devin Williams is elite, fantastic, unbelievable, unflappable. But, you know, Yoel Piamps really looked like he needed a breather. 
Um, Elvis Pagaro was on the IL because he needed a breather and the elbow was barking. So he got it. He's back after throwing some lives. Uh, Trevor McGill had a baby, so he probably hasn't had any sleep, but he's had some break, uh, a break from pitching and has become an important part. And Abner Uribe is like, now he gets the chance to go on the big stage and do what he does and, and get a national TV audience. And then, by the way, Hobie Milner, who led the team in appearances, a sub-2 ERA, just a fantastic year, doing it old school. So they have the Brewers have an extremely deep pen, and Craig Council has a lot of good choices against whatever team they match up against. And, and that the, that was the idea, to be set up to go uh, and play a lot more games. I would, I would also just add, too, like we – you know, they do not have to set the roster for the wild card series until Tuesday before the game. So we are we don't know, you know, how they're going to line up their their roster. Um, you could have a maximum of 13 pitchers. I don't think we expect them to carry that many. They're probably going to carry more position players, more like bench role players um, in this series specifically. Um, however, you know, as it is important to know, and we've talked about this on the games, is that. In the postseason, um, you know, the pitch clock rules will still be in place. However, the extra inning rules, there will no longer be a runner at second base. So you have to factor into like, what if you go into extra innings? You have to have some extra coverage. We even saw Wayne Miley over the weekend go out to the bullpen and go through like a mock warm-up, basically, is, is how he described it to me of he wanted to be out in the bullpen, go through the whole thing, have the phone ring and essentially get up and go through his warm up process and see how quickly he could get hot to come into a game. So I think that tells you like they know, I think, the urgency and like all of the variables that can happen in a three game series where you're trying to advance to the DS. And I think Wade going through that exercise, which, by the way, he told me it was 12 pitches, 12 pitches. He was hot. He was ready to go. Um, but I think that speaks to like, we might see some different things. Um, and I think it's going to be like a very much all hands on deck, you know, Craig council said as much, like there are no roles anymore in the postseason. it's matchups and we're going to make the best decision to win the game and win the series. No, those are great points. And honestly, first thought, there's a lot of pitchers out there that would not do that. There's a lot of pitchers out there that are going, Nope, I'm a starter. You, this is all I'm going to do. The Brewers luckily have a bunch of guys that are willing to experiment, like seeing Miley. And we know Hauser is fantastic in the bullpen. We know Colin Ray's done well in the bullpen this year. So you have all these guys, and you have to do that. In a three-game series, we got to remind our listeners, you really only need the three starters. And then after that, it's like, okay, we need guys to mop up in case it does go extras, and you don't want to use all your one-inning guys. So, yeah, it makes perfect sense to have a couple of those guys in the bullpen uh, for this series. Uh, and anyway, I, I, I think they're they're lined up perfectly. This, this couldn't have gone any better. Uh, you can take that as awesome, or you can take that as, oh, no, superstition. But either way, Craig Council did his job. All these players did their job, um, and they're all rested, but at the same time, they're ready. And I think when it comes to being a starter and suddenly you're thrust into the bullpen in the playoffs, um, I, I think that can be a good thing for guys that buy into it. And I think they have the guys to do that. I wonder what they said when they called. If they called just to have the phone ring, some, they must have said something. I bet it was pretty funny. Usually when I pick up the phone, I'm like, uh, Domino's Pizza, small, medium, or large. <laughs> and then they tell me not to answer the phone anymore. Well, let me ask you guys this. How much do you think experience will matter? Because I do think that's a factor in this series too, right? Like 
in game one, they're going to be facing a rookie in, in Brandon fat, Zach Gallen and Merrill Kelly. They've been excellent in the regular season, but they've never pitched in the postseason. Um, and then you look at, and for, and for the diamondbacks as a team, they haven't been into the postseason since 2017. Um, and, and they obviously have a lot of young pieces that will be going through this for the first time. And then for the brewers, it's like, you look at their pitching staff, you know, for Burns, Woodruff, Peralta, they've all been here before. Um, combined, they have 18 games of of postseason experience. Devin Williams, by the way, will be pitching in the postseason for the first time. Um, you know, he had the broken hand in 21. He was hurt at the end of 20. Um, obviously, they're counting on a lot of rookies, guys like Bryce Terang, Sal Freelich, maybe Garrett Mitchell if he makes the roster, um, Andre Monasterio. How much do you think that matters? I think for the starters, it particularly matters because to me, having never done it in Major League Baseball, I would think that it's a lot to think about (laughs) over the course of a couple of days where, especially in this, as we said, this three-game series, there's so much riding on every single pitch. Um, That, to me, would be sort of a lot. And the idea is to go out there, you know, relaxed and pitch your game. Um, so that's where I would think for the guys like Burns, Woodruff, Freddie Peralta, you know, remember they kind of cut their teeth as big league players in the postseason as as relievers um, in, in 2018. And, and I think that I was talking to Brandon Woodruff about this yesterday. Um, he thinks that played such a big part in who they are now as pitchers that they kind of came up and did that together and in and. and you know, just pitched those huge innings and succeeded in those huge innings. Um, so I think that's a, for the pitchers, for me, that's where I would probably say, say it matters most. Yeah, but I mean, look at what the rookies have done since day one. They've been unfazed. I think of Bryce Turing every time. I know he's probably doesn't, doesn't have the fast, you know, fascinating uh, batting numbers, but what he's been able to do defensively, to me, almost matters more in the playoffs, especially with this pitching staff. These guys have been in some tight moments. All season long, you think about all the one-run games, the extra innings, and as a pitcher, there's sometimes you're on the mound and you're looking around the defense and you're kind of like, who do I want this ball to be hit to, right? <laughs> or maybe maybe it's like, who do I not want this ball to be hit to? Well, luckily, the Brewers the Brewers have everybody. I don't care who you hit it to. Carlos Santana, like the day after they clinch, is playing first base and he is smothering balls to his right. Uh, trying to make sure they get an out at first base. Bryce Terang has been nothing but amazing and stellar. Uh, the full range of second base and at times shortstop uh, to where I'm like, hit it anywhere near this kid. And Willie Adamas too. And then you can just keep going around, whether it's Monasterio, Donaldson at, at third. So to me, it's it's not so much, oh no, are they, you know, they timid about the postseason when it comes to the at bat as opposed to the defense. Because, I mean, we've seen Sal Freelich dive through walls in in no-hit situations in New York City. So they've had this experience. I don't think they're going to be phased at all, at least on the defensive side. Is there a certain part of the game, matchup, how you want to see this series play out that you guys are kind of just most interested to watch over the next three days? Yeah, mine's simple. Will they hit? Like when they hit a little bit, they're very good. And the hard part about the postseason is gets a little serious, as it should be. But the best teams are the ones that keep playing the same game. Um, and to hit, you need to be just relaxed. And um, just will they, will they hit enough? I, I, I think that's the story of this team. And, you know, 
credit to Matt Arnold and his staff. They, they made some really good choices at the, the trade deadline in terms of hitters, guys who really came in. And it's like the team adopted a Mark Canna, Carlos Santana mentality in their bats. It was kind of remarkable to see how that spread. And, you know, if they go up there and do that same sort of thing, because they were, a, they were kind of a move-the-line offense, which was not what they were early, but they, they did not hit many home runs. Uh, as a club, I think, did they finish 24th in home runs? Something like that. I mean, they just didn't, they don't, they didn't hit for a ton of power. Um, but they put together big innings because they did that sort of pass the baton thing. And to do that, you, you have to be, you have to be loose as a club and rely on the next guy. So that to me is like that, you know, that, that will settle how far they go. Of course. But at the same time, they've proven that I think over the last 40 games, they're 27 and 13 and they've had the best clip of average and runs being scored, um, extra base hits. Uh, Willie Damas just had his best month in September when it comes to extra base hits. Contreras finishes batting, what, 291. Uh, Santana's been hot. Canna. Uh, you start looking, the, the, they're ready. They're ready as far as um, swinging the lineup. It's not one or two guys you're hoping do well. There's five or six guys that are doing well. Tyrone Taylor has been red hot, batting over 290 in September and October with home runs. So I think it comes down to what are they going to do in game one uh, against, you know, a younger pitcher. And, you know, I was looking up his splits uh, and he's got two, man, it was like 290 versus righties and 270 versus lefties. So this is the type of pitcher that they're going to want to look at. That's why I'm wondering what the Diamondbacks are are hoping to get out of game one. That's so crucial. Um but I don't know. I, I think it's going to come down to when you're talking about like interesting matchups that you want to see throughout this uh, game one in particular. Uh, Corbin Burns. Corbin Burns, his craft of pitching, he likes to be well-rounded. We've seen how he can field his position. Clearly, he can carve hitters at the plate. Doesn't like to give up a lot of you know hard contact, of course. Uh, but he also doesn't like guys stealing off of him. And I think that's going to be a huge issue. I think you're going to see a lot of interesting pickoff moves. I think you're going to see probably an inside move with guys on second base because the Diamondbacks are going to be willing to steal. So uh, look for that kind of small game within the game to play probably a big factor, at least in game one. Sophia, is Garrett Mitchell on your postseason roster? I know you're scribbling out your projected <laughs> roster here as we speak. <laughs> Yeah, I'm submitting my uh, I'm submitting my my postseason roster to Matt Arnold and company later today. I'm sure they Perfect. I'm sure they haven't had enough input on the postseason <laughs> roster yet. So I thought, <laughs> I thought I would just submit mine for funsies. Um, yes, I do think he will be on the postseason roster. In what role? I don't know if he will get a start in Game One. Yeah. And I this is pure just I don't know anything. Obviously, the rosters have not been announced. We don't know what the decision they will make around Garrett. I think he's, he proved, you know, with a week in AAA and the four games that he got up here with the major league team, I think, you know, he got the clearance from his surgeon on that final step. He's a healthy player. I think he can have an impact. Um, I just think, you know, you look at like the potential of like Tyrone Taylor, man, he's swinging a great yeah. bat. He homered in the last yeah. on Sunday Mark Hanna, you know, you want to have his bat in there. Blake Perkins is an excellent defender. I just think you've got some really good choices to make. Sal and Sal, by the way, um, I think you want, I think you want Sal in there defensively. And he, I feel like he, his at bats and his approach are 
built for postseason baseball, if there's an approach that is built for postseason baseball of just his ability to get on base and his discipline. Um, I So I just think when you look at the outfield, they have really, really good options and some really some players that are performing really well right now that I think Garrett makes it. I'm just not sure he's in the starting lineup. Yeah. I'm really curious to see, really curious to see how they do that. Cause I agree with you. There's, there's good choices. Um, I think they'd like Sal to be swinging it a little bit more. Um, it'd be nice if somebody else is kind of really swinging the bat, but yeah, I, I, I don't know. That's we're 24 hours out and I'm just curious how that, how that's going to look. I mean, I, I think you got to have Tyrone Taylor in right field. I, I do. I think he's earned it. He's been playing so good here of late. And, I mean, just think about it. He always has that one big at-bat, and he crushes everything to left field. And when you have a righty on the mound that likes to pitch inside, but at the same time, you know, righties are batting 290 against him, to me that plays. More so than possibly a left-handed stick in the lineup. Now, who goes to center field? Not sure, but... I would like to see Tyrone Taylor out there. So we'll, let's all text Matt Arnold, our lineups. I'm with Sophia. Like, hey, here's our input. He's going to be like, yeah, I'm good. <laughs> well, guys, we have um, some more that we can talk about as we wrap up the regular season, including one of the great debuts that we saw over the weekend in Milwaukee. We'll talk about Caleb Bosley a little bit, and we'll put a wrap up here and get ready for the wildcard series coming up. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team. Back on Brewers on Filter to help you get ready for the Wild Card Series starting on Tuesday evening, first pitch, 6.08 at American Family Field. You will not want to miss it. Should be a really good series between the Brewers and the Diamondbacks. Um, but guys, kind of feels fitting that as we wrap up the regular season, as we're looking ahead to the postseason, I think, first of all, depth. We talk about depth all the time. The Brewers used 59 different players 
to get through the 162-game season and win this division title, set themselves up for the postseason. We saw a lot of debuts this year. We've spent a lot of time on this podcast talking about rookies. And I am not sure that we will have as memorable of a moment, of a story, of a debut um, at the end of a regular season as what Caleb Bosley gave fans on Friday night against the Chicago Cubs. Um, He got called up. He's been in the Brewers organization for the last two years, but he is born in Nina, grew up in Hortonville, attended UW-Lacrosse, finally got the call uh, to come to the big leagues from the team that he grew up watching, worshiping, cheering on. Favorite pitcher was Ben Sheets. Favorite player was Jeff Jenkins. Um, just Just a great kind of hometown kid story about finally getting an opportunity. And he gets in the game. He strikes out the first batter he faces in Patrick Wisdom. Goes on to pitch two and a third innings and gets the win um, in a walk-off win, thanks to Carlos Santana, against the Chicago Cubs. So, Adam, you were on assignment. Um, you were not. Yeah. <laughs> you were on assignment in the Wisconsin Dells. I was, yeah. For a great reason. Yeah, my cousin Val got married, and because the Brewers uh, wrapped it up, I was able to attend. She was very happy. My mom was very happy, which is the most important thing. Most important. And I saw family photos. You guys looked great. Oh, thank you. It was cool to kind of watch it. Um, she had like a welcome party the night before the wedding and it was on in the bar and people were kind of following the game and it was interesting to watch it from afar and like his exuberance and enthusiasm was like one of the best parts of it. Two days shy of his 30th birthday. He's been around the minor leagues a while. You know, not every UW lacrosse baseball player makes it to the major league. So that's a cool part of it. And um, big innings, like again, um, you know, it's like those innings help you for the next innings and not pitching a certain guy means that he's rested for these postseason games. And that's why I think, you know, beyond like the great storyline of it is a story about how the roster is all connected together. And, um, you know, you even put Adrian Hauser in that giving him five innings, in the finale probably means maybe means he's not on the wildcard series roster because it's just three games. So you're kind of for him, you know, personally sacrificing that opportunity, but it means that um, the rest of the staff is ready to go. And then hopefully Adrian Hauser, if he's not on this first roster is on the division series roster. So it, it is, I think a cool story about kind of the connectedness and the way that they use um, the whole group and why we make a mistake in spring training when we put so much on the opening day roster when it's like how many guys Sophia you always are accurate with the count how many players 59 I mean holy smokes that's a change from not too uh, distant past where they would never touch that amount of players involved in in getting through a 162 game season well I think what you're talking about is you know they, they can't just bring up everybody on the 40 man like the old Tim Dillard's in AAA and stick them in the bullpen to eat up innings down the stretch. So you got to be a little bit strategic when it comes to, you know, who's going to go out there. Cause if you call up a bunch of one inning guys and then suddenly you got to eat up innings so that, you know, you don't have to have Devin Williams pitching in the seventh, um, then you're in trouble. So what do they do? They, they call up a couple of starters. And I, I think Bosley knew the assignment. He went out there and, and he got it done. And it's a one run ball game with two outs and he comes in the eighth inning, strikes out Patrick wisdom, which I've done that before. Um, I think a lot of people have, sorry, Wiz. Uh, (laughs) 
former teammate. Uh, but he's also hit extra base hits, so we know the guy can go yard. So that's a big moment when a guy that can easily put the ball at the ballpark strikes him out, comes back out, which in those high-pressure moments, when you come into a ball game and it's, you end on a high and then you have to go back out, it's tough. It's tough to do that, especially for a guy that's been you know starting all season long, last two seasons in Caleb Bosley. So he comes back out, and what happens? Ian Happ ambushes a home run. And that's not uncommon, too. Happ loves to swing early on pitchers he doesn't know a lot about. He did the same thing in AAA years ago against a guy you may have heard of, Josh Hader. He ambushed a first-pitch fastball from Josh Hader, start the game out, and hit it into the parking lot beyond the left field wall. So, you know, you kind of saw that coming. He can, you know, ambush a first pitch. But then what he did after that, Bosley, fantastic. Settles down, ends up striking out almost everybody he faces after that. Then he has to go back out for the 10th. And he's got the ghost runner, the Manfred runner on second base, has to deal with him, gets through it, ends up getting the win in front of his entire family and friends. Pretty amazing stuff. And also his AAA manager, my former manager, Rick Sweet, was in attendance because he told him, he said, if you get called up, I'm going to come and I'm going to watch your debut. And that's exactly what Sweet did. He flew up and uh, drove to the game and uh, was sitting behind home plate. So pretty magical stuff, but there's a lot of background that goes into all of these little moments that you see that happen on the field. Yeah, it was just so cool. I mean, his his parents were there, his six siblings, his UW lacrosse coaches were there, Rick Sweet, you know, following through on that deal, saying, hey, if you make it, I will be there to watch you. Um, Al LaBeouf had been with the, the major league team all week, so he was in the dugout uh, as watching all of this unfold. To be honest, when when Caleb came into the dugout and was getting high fives from everybody after striking out Patrick Wisdom, I thought he had a hard time keeping it together, honestly. I think there was like this like release of emotion of like trying to just hold it all in. Um, you know, I'm sure there's a lot of anxiety. You have all these people making the trip to come see you, and then you finally get in the game, you got to strike out. I don't know if he thought if he was going to go back out for the game or to finish the game or not with it going into extra innings, but just such a, you know, we we were talking about it on the game. It's like that game was irrelevant to the Brewers in terms of the, the division had already been clinched. It didn't affect their seeding. It was not a must-win game. It certainly was for the Cubs. They were trying to stay alive. But, man, what he did, I think it was just, like, so memorable, so fun. And being on the field, and when we did the, the post-game interview after the walk-off, the entire team stayed in the dugout. And the Craig Council and the coaches, they all stayed there and they just watched him like take it all in. And it was one of those really cool moments. They very rarely do that, even in a walk off. The last time I can remember them doing that was when Daniel Vogelback hit the the walk off Grand Slam against the Cardinals. Mm -hmm. And they all stayed in the dugout to just like watch Vogie take in that moment. And it was the same thing for Caleb. I think they all understood like what a unique opportunity he had and the circumstances around it. And it, it was just really cool to see, honestly, how the team reacted to that moment as well. And I, I think, Adam, it speaks to like that connectedness, right? Of like, they understood like what this meant to him. Yeah, It was a cool year for those personal moments. And, and you know, maybe there's more to come in the postseason, but you think back to, Bryce Terrain Grand Slam in the home opener with his parents in the stands. And, you know, Joey Weimer, I, I remember going down and talking to Joey Weimer's parents at Wrigley when he gets the unexpected call up on day two. And obviously Sal Freelich and mom staying home to take care of the family dog and then coming in the next day. And 
uh, Julio Tehran making it back to the big leagues after really scratching and clawing for a couple of years. And Colin Ray back from pitching in Asia and plays a huge role, third on the team in innings. Just some cool humanity, I think, along the way. And um, I, I always like to be – I always like when we get reminders of that because the game – you know, like we talked about at the very beginning, maybe some of the soul has left baseball. It's a, maybe more of a spreadsheet game now. It's a little more of a data. Data makes decisions and instead of the heart more often. But there's still a lot of heart in, in our sport. And I, I do think that this season for the Brewers, if you kind of think back to some of those moments, there, there was a lot of that. It's a great game. It's been a lot of fun. Um, and hopefully there's a lot more fun coming up here. So there's going to be a workout today uh, on Monday at American Family Field. There will be some uh, media time and then things will really get more serious um, on game day. On Tuesday, the rosters will officially be and announced. Um we can dissect all of that. <laughs> and yeah. uh, again, we want to remind you first pitch for both Tuesday and Wednesday games one and two, they will both be 6 8 PM. It will be national broadcasts. Um, we'll have great coverage for you. Adam on MLB.com. Uh, we'll do some interviews on the social platforms for Bally sports, Wisconsin. There will be great brewers uh, social content as well around the postseason got some pretty big time first pitches as well if fans are coming out for games one and two uh game one fittingly no one better than than bob euchre to throw out the first pitch for game one and then niger morgan who we just saw in miami on the last uh road trip he's going to be returning to milwaukee to throw out the first pitch for game two and uh the ballpark is getting dressed up it's getting its postseason makeover so it should it should be a lot of fun i think like if you're a fan man this to have home field advantage here for this first round um it should be a lot of fun yeah it gets a little bit buttoned up like things get a little buttoned up there's no more media in the clubhouse before games that's one change in the postseason they bring a guy or two into this uh interview room setup that they do um and then just the buzz during BP is always really fun for me during the postseason. Well, and a reminder, too, for fans, especially on, on game one, they're going to do the chalk lineup 30 minutes before the game. So try to get in there at least by 530 so you can cheer on everybody getting called out there and, you know, everybody waves. And uh, also that's, you know, right after that, I think, is when Euchre Stone is first pitch. So pretty special stuff all the way around uh, for the Brewers. And you got to be happy for them. What, a, what an exciting group. Uh, for them to be doing this so hopefully everybody will come out and scream and get to watch the brewers play some good baseball all right well uh that's a wrap for this postseason edition of brewers unfiltered hopefully we'll bring you more um we'll follow up the wild card series against the arizona diamondbacks that'll be starting tuesday here at american family field so keep following along um, with the brewers on all the social platforms we'll be locked in as well for the postseason so thanks for listening and we'll uh we'll talk to you later here on brewers on filter